give this a fresh new start. Sounds good, right? Oh, so anyway, my name's Ron. I'm the lead pastor. It's good to have you here with us. Thank you for being here. Week two of our series, The Time Is Now. Last week, we kind of kicked it off uh, looking at the very beginning where we find the, um, and kind of give you the context of where, where we are. We looked at the fact that King Solomon had built this incredible, magnificent temple for um, for God to to live in, and it was just an amazing place where it had come from. So far, people would come all over the place to hear him speak, and so um, and to see this this place there, and they would come and they would sacrifice things, and this was the place that really took this amazing time of of just growth in. In the people of Israel. And it was amazing to see what was going on and how they were pursuing God and following God and doing the things that God wanted. But then King Solomon dies and something changes and the people begin then to lose their desire to follow God. And they fall away and they, they kind of forget what's going on. And, and what happens then, they become captives to the Babylonians. And so for about 50 years, they're in, in captiv- captivity uh, there with the Babylonians. So when King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylon- Babylonians comes, he not only takes them into captivity, but he destroys the temple <laughs> that God had resided in. I mean, he, he just, he really not only broke them by taking them out of their land, but he broke them by just t- tearing down one of the most important things to them. And so, so we find that they're in, uh, taken away, they're kept in captivity, and then uh, comes this time where uh, about 50,000 of them are sent back to rebuild the city, to, to get things back to the way it was, to begin to, to allow uh, them to, to have the things that they had, and just, um, it's, it's a good time. So they get back, they begin to build the temple, and shortly in, they have some opposition, and they and they fade away, right? So, so things are going their way. They finally get what they've been asking for all this time. They get there, and, it, and it, everything stops. They quit. So God comes. He gently reminds them that, hey, listen, here's what I need you to do. Go get, I need you to get the temple back. Get busy. And we talked about the fact last week that we, you know, it's, it's time to, to quit talking about it and do it. And so... That picks us up to where we find ourselves today because what happens is the, the Israelites then begin to face some discouragement. Anybody in here ever been discouraged? I mean, I'm thinking that probably all of us have been discouraged in one way or another where things seem to be the way that, you know, going the way we wanted it to and, and the way we thought it was supposed to be and all of a sudden things just didn't work out that way. You know, we, there's, most of us have long lists of things that we've been discouraged about, things that we've been trying to accomplish, but it just never seems to be what we had hoped it would be. And that's where we find uh, the, the Israelites here in, in this part of the account of, of Haggai. And so we, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be begin at the end of chapter 1 and, and going into chapter 2 of Haggai. Um, we're going to be able to, to just kind of see what he says to them here. And so God has raised up Haggai to, to come and share with them uh, some important messages. 
And so here's where we see in verse 13. He says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. That's a pretty good message, right? For God to say, listen, I'm with you. Today, uh, somebody just needs to know and hear and, and kind of get the fact that God's with you. God sent Haggai to say, I'm with you. Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Hosadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. Now, what God often does for us is he comes along and he stirs us up. He says, you know what? There's something I've got for you, that I, something I want you to do. I want you to get busy. Here's what I got for you. And we just had in our class 301 last week, we talked about what our passions are and what God's kind of, what, what is it that gets you excited about serving God? What is it that he's kind of purposed you for? And this is the place where God stirs the spirit of, of the, the governor, of the high priest, of, of the people. And he says, I've got something for you. you got to get busy. And maybe for some of us in the room, we've gotten busy and we, we know there's something we're supposed to do. And, and it's kind of stirred up in us. But yet we have maybe started something and not quite followed through on it. Not finished up on it. He stirs up the spirit of, of the people and he gets them moving in a direction. And then the story goes this way. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. So they got busy. They knew that the temple was the place that they needed to get back to to get it rebuilt. That that was where God was going to take that and he was going to use that to, to rebuild the people, to get them moving along the way that he had, had planned for them to the whole time. And that there was this amazing, this project in front of them to rebuild the temple the way that it was. But the problem is they get into it about one month. As you kind of follow along in the scriptures, you find that they got into it about a month and they got discouraged again. Yeah, can, can anybody identify, like you get like really excited about something, you go about a month and then it, it kind of falls away. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens to us all the time. They fizzled out. They gathered around, had a great celebration, and man, things are going to be good. You know, and, and all of a sudden, boom, it just it, it goes away, that excitement and that feeling. And, and so sometimes I think in the church, we get, so, we get really excited about things. And, and, and so all of a sudden, everybody's on board. And, we, and so we say, okay, well, well let's do this. And, and we do it. And I'm not, not this church, this is, this is, I think, the church in general. Every church faces it, gets excited, gets started on something, and all the people that said, yeah, 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 they disappear. So j just for an instance. Now, not knocking on this, but when this was East Albemarle Baptist, you know, there was the original part of the building over there that ran, you know, kind of the long, narrow part. Well, so they had this great plan to add on this part of the building to it. And so they had this big vote, and they had, at that point, what I understand, about 80 people that voted to say, that said, yes, we're, we, we're behind it. We're going to be part of it. 
and we're going to help pay for it. We're going to help build it. We're going to help do everything else. And but by the time they were finished with it, they were down below 50. And we know that not too long thereafter, they were down to about 25 and the doors were barely staying open. Where did the people go? What changed? What, if God was moving in it then, why wasn't he moving in it at the end? I, I, I got to believe oftentimes it's not God that's not moving. It's the people that aren't listening. We're pretty good at that sometimes. Man, can be just as guilty. Get excited about something, man. Shiny stuff is really cool. Stuff that gets a little rub on it and ain't quite as new and as, it's just not as exciting, is it, sometimes? And here's where we find that the Israelites had gotten, you know, the shininess was off. And now they had begun to fizzle out again. And, and it wasn't, they weren't moving forward like they had once been. And so they had flamed out. And that's, you know, you start a diet, right? And, and you start eating right, it's, you're going you're gonna to do it, right? And then a month in, dessert happens for sure. You know, you're going to get out of debt. You're going to get out of debt, and all of a sudden, man, next thing you know, you know, this has happened, and, you know, Christmas comes. Um, by the way, Christmas comes every December 25th. It's, it's going to come again this year. Just don't say you weren't warned, Okay. <laughs> Because it's coming. And so if you get there and you don't have any money to do gifts with, then you were warned. And, and if you go into debt to do it, well, that's your, your problem. But that's what happens to us. We get going and then something comes along. We get on this and then that happens and boom, it's off. We get on that and then this happens and boom, we're off. That's what had happened to the people of God here. And so they were going to do this for God. It was going to be amazing, but not long into it, things had, had really began to get off track. And so God sends Haggai to ask them this question. I think it's a very loving way for him to kind of get their attention. I think it's very interesting how he does this. And so Haggai asks this question on behalf of God, Haggai 2, verse 3. He says, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory. I mean, he's trying to get them a little nostalgic about this thing. He, he's trying to ask them, okay, how many of you remember how it once was? Right? Because the church is really, um, there's a lot of churches that operate off of how it once was. Right? They talk about how it once was, never look around to see how it really is. And before long, they find themselves dwindled away and, and struggling. And that's where he's saying, hey, what do you remember what it was like? He goes on, he says, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? You know, who remembers the former temple and the amazing glory that it had, but now look at it, it's just rubble and it's not nearly what it once was. Do you remember it? Do you remember what it used to be? Like, because now it seems like it's kind of nothing. I think there's, if we look in here, there's kind of two causes of discouragement. If you have your notes, you can kind of follow along here. The first one that we find is comparison. Comparisons are one of the easiest ways to find yourself discouraged. 
The second one is the lack of progress. So begin to compare yourself or begin to, to not see things moving along. And it's really easy to find yourself discouraged and looking for excuses, looking for other places to be and everything else. We do that quite often. Comparison and lack of progress get in the way of us ever moving forward and whatever we're trying to do very often. Um, and we, as people, are very good at doing this one thing, that we're very good at comparing um, uh, others, um, to comparing our start to others' finishes. What I mean is we compare our start, where we are, to where somebody else has already gotten to. And so we look at where we are here with things kind of half done, and we look at somebody else's things that are already put together and everything's working and it's all it's moving along, and we say, but, 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 I, that's what I want, but here's where I am. And we begin to compare where we are to where somebody else is, and, and quickly we find ourselves discouraged. Haggai would have somewhere around here believed to have been in, the, in maybe mid to late 70s, somewhere in there. So he probably would have been about a teenager as he was writing this and giving this, giving this message uh, to the people. And, and so he would have remembered what it was like. He would have known what it was like to see the temple where it was and now to see it where it isn't. So very often when we compare ourselves, we get very discouraged. If you're a guy, you, you know, you look at the other guy, you know, we look at other men and we say, man, he's got a great job. Man, look at that car that he drives. What about that truck that he's got? That zero turn mower that he washes every time after he mows the yard with it. Man, look at that thing. You know, look at that boat. Look at those things. We look at him. He's got a great job. He's got a great wife. He's got a great house. We look at him. We begin to compare what we have to what he has. Right, ladies, y'all do it too. You look at other ladies and, you know, you kind of compare your clothing to her clothing. And you compare your kids to her kids. You know, you got um, her kids. Man, they, they wear their little matching outfits. They wear to school every day. You know, they got the little baked goodies every day at lunch. Um, you know, and they're getting college credit in the fifth grade and your kids, you're not even sure they got on pants today. <laughs> you know, they getting some little dibby snacks that are called stale and old from the convenience store, you know, and, and, and man, they're not even sure they're going to pass this year. I mean, how do they go? I mean, you look at it and you're like, man, that's, why can't mine be like that? And then we get discouraged because it's not like that. And we find ourselves just down in the dumps because things just aren't like we thought they were going to be. Man, then you, you know, I tell you, you want to be a really lo big loser? Go look on everybody else's Facebook or Instagram. You know, we start seeing people taking cruises. I, I, I don't know who I would be talking to, but I've been having to what, look at, I've been having to look at this lady's pictures of her cruise lately. And she, you know, making me all jealous. Miss Ann, you know, just... But, I mean, but seriously, you get on there and you see like, and, and you know, everybody's Instagram picture is the best one and it's got all the filters on it, right? You know, and um, you know, if you're not very tech savvy, you don't know how to do any of that, man, it's, it's you can compare them, but theirs are going to win every time because they got all that, that interesting stuff. But it's, that's how we do it. 
And we find ourselves discouraged because our life just isn't what we, what we thought it should be. And then there's the lack of progress. And I think this is where the Israelites found themselves. You get a month into something and it just quits, you know. Going on a diet, going to get in shape. You eat, you eat a whole, you know, you eat kale and almonds for, you know, for a month. And you gain two pounds. And you're like, what in the world? You know, you, somebody, your friend, they, they you know, they, they drink, you know, a case of Pepsi and eat um, Swiss rolls all week and they lose four pounds. Now, it just works like that sometimes. But your progress isn't what you thought it was going to be. And so you become pretty discouraged. Seems like you take two steps you know, forward and forward backwards sometimes. Because just, it just never seems to get where you want it to be. For some of us, that's the way it is even in our spiritual lives. We say, man, I've been a Christian all this time, but, but you know, they, they, seem to, they seem so comfortable praying out loud. And, and man, they seem to know so much about the Bible, but they haven't been a Christian as long as I have. And we do that comparison in that, but then we, we look at it where, you know, as a Christian, I've been a Christian this long and I still can't not cuss, you know, when I'm in traffic. I mean, I'm just saying, y'all know. Y'all telling them to go somewhere that you're supposed to be telling them not to go and all that stuff. It's bad, you know. We, we struggle with this lack of progress. Man, as a Christian, I should, you know, I should have more scripture memorized, but I, I don't. And, and we just, we, we find ourselves struggling. Praying for our kids. And our kids, we've been praying and praying and praying. And we, we give them good advice and we help them. And we try to do everything that we can. But yet they still are struggling and making their own bad choices. And you, you just can't seem to get them beyond where you, you know they ought to be. It's tough. And it's easy to, be, to get discouraged in all that. I mean, let me just be honest with you. I kind of opened up a little bit a while ago, but I'm just telling you. Man, I struggle with discouragement quite often. And this has been one of those weeks where I've just, it has just been all over me. And I've tried, and, I, and it's, you know why, right? Because God wanted me to talk about it. And so it's been on me, you know, like white on rice all week. Because, it, it, you know, Satan has not wanted me to be encouraged. You know, it's kind of like, hey, dude, how are you going to stand up there and tell them how to be encouraged when you are discouraged? And that's what he's been, I mean, it's been constant all week long. And, and discouragement is just something I struggle with. I, you know, as a pastor, it, it's, it's easy to find myself in that. It's easy to do it. Sometimes, you know, I find myself... I go home, you know, I won't even make it out of the parking lot. I'm, can I just, I'll just, y'all just know this about me. Like, I won't make it out of the parking lot, and I already have critiqued my message, and I've already thought, I should have said that. I can't believe I said that. If some of y'all that have been here once or twice, you know what those things are. And then, then sometimes, you know, I really, that, that needed to be said differently, and I didn't say it quite right. I mean, I'll, I'll do it. And sometimes I'll beat myself up all day over it. Because I, you know, I take what I do seriously. 
I'm not going to worry about that announcement thing while I go because y'all can figure that out on your own. I'll go out to the table and somebody will tell you the right stuff, okay? Don't listen to the one I told you up here while I go. Just come eat breakfast with us next week. Okay, that's all you need to know. Be here at 930. But discouragement is one of those things that just kind of follows, you know. And it's one of the things that, as I'm trying to help other people, sometimes Satan throws that on me so big. But today, I'm going to tell you that discouragement is something that we face, but there is a way to overcome it. And can I just tell you that really until late last night, could I really just let my mind and really my heart wrap, wrap around that and grasp it? My poor family yesterday and this week, they've had to deal with me, and I've been a bear. Because it's just been rough, you know, just trying to process it all. And make sure that when I stand here, that I stand here right before God to be able to tell you that you can overcome it. And get through it and, and be better on the other side. It's not always easy. If this thing was easy, listen, if being a Christian was easy, everybody would do it. And we, would, we wouldn't even have to have this kind of gathering because, man, it would, just, it would just be natural where we are. But this is a point where we can come together and we can be encouraged and we can grow in our faith. And we can hear those things and we can encourage each other because we each other have been discouraged this week. And that's what this is about. So God helps us through Haggai to be able to do that. So let me help you. Get there. Remember last week we talked about the fact that the people got, they, they, they had a real problem because the temple, you know, they had kind of walked away from rebuilding the temple. They had just walked away from it and started focusing on their own houses. God said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rebuild the temple. Go to the mountain, cut down the timber, and build my temple. It was very simple. He just broke it down. You know, I don't know if you're like me because I'm not really smart. Sometimes stuff's got to be broken down really easy. You know, you've got to draw me a picture sometimes. And there's no pictures in the Bible. It drives me nuts. But anyway, um, but here's the thing. He, draw, he makes it very simple. Go to the mountain, cut down the timber, and build the temple. I, I can handle that. Can you, we all understand what that means, right? And, and so he kind of does the same thing here for, for the folks uh, as they're, they're being discouraged. And in verse 4, he says this. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Hosedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of simple to me. He breaks it down into two things. If you're discouraged today, listen to what he's saying. He says, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Two things. If you're discouraged today, be strong and do the work. See, here's the thing. Here's what you got to understand. That the be strong part is, is pretty, pretty simple. Because you and I don't have to do that in our own strength. The be strong part is just depend on him. Let him be God. 
Quit trying to be God yourself and let him be God. Let him be the one in charge. He knows what's best. He knows what it needs to be. Quit trying to do it yourself and do what you think is best and just focus in on what, uh, what he wants you to do and who he is. Just be strong. Trust in him. You don't have to carry these burdens yourself. Most of our discouragement comes from carrying burdens that we're not meant to carry. It's trying to believe that this all depends on us when it really doesn't depend on us. He's got a plan. And we got to let that plan work through. That's where he says, be strong, trust him, let him be God and do the work. Do what he's called you to do, what he's told you and shown you and you and I to do. It's very simple and it's in the scriptures. It's very simple. Just do what he commands. Don't try to make up new rules. Don't try to make up new whatevers. Just do the things that he calls you to do. The commands are very simple. And he says that people will know that we love him if we do his commands. Do the work. Just do what he's called you to do. Don't try to do anything else. Don't try to be anybody else. Just be strong and do the work. I love the fact that God didn't tell Haggai to say, hey, church, let's have a business meeting. No, he didn't say have a business meeting. Right? That's what happens in most of churches when things, it's like, okay, we got to have a meeting. We need to come in because we need to tell the pastor he's not doing a good job. Or we need to tell the leadership, the deacons, that they just aren't doing their work. Or, or, or we, need to, we need to come up with a whole new plan. We need to vote on this. We need to vote on that. No, he doesn't say have a bus- don't have a business meeting. He said don't try to talk about what you're supposed to do. Don't just keep going on and on and on about it. He doesn't say just keep dreaming the dream. He, he doesn't say any of that kind of stuff. He doesn't say compare results with other churches. He doesn't say, look at what somebody else is doing. He just says, be strong in his power and do the things that he's called you to do. We say that we exist to help people love God, love others, and to love sharing the good news. Love him, love them, and tell them why. It's very simple. And so for anything else to come up that we think we ought to do that doesn't fit into one of those three things, can I just tell you that we don't need to do it? That's not doing the work. That's making up new work and making up more that needs to be done than needs to be done. So if it doesn't help people love him more, if it doesn't help people love others more, and it doesn't ever communicate the gospel, can I just tell you there's no point in doing it? It's got to be the work that we've been called to do for for him to be able to work and use us the way that he wants to. Don't give up. Don't quit. Just put one more stone down and then put another one down and put another one down until you've done the things that he's called you to do. Be strong consistently. If you're discouraged, let me just tell you, Go back to where you knew you were doing what God told you to do and consistently do that until he tells you something else. 
I think too often we get like the, the Israelites and he tells us to do something. We get started in on it. And a month in, it, it doesn't excite us anymore. And we move on and try to find something new to do. If your marriage has been struggling, let me just tell you that a month in and things seem to be getting a little bit better means that you better keep on praying together. And you better keep praying for your marriage and you better keep trying to be who it is that God wants you to be in your marriage or else it's going to go backwards again. Don't give up just because things seem like they're better. Because sooner or later, difficulties will come back in. Hard times are going to be there. They're just, we know that there are just difficulties that we face in life, and when they come, we've got to be prepared to do what it is that he call, has called us to do, to be strong and do the work. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Think about that. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. If you pray occasionally, you're going to have an occasional, you know, good marriage. You're going to have an occasional good time parenting your kids. You're going to have an occasional, you know, good time in your finances. But if you're consistent with it and trust him, then those things become very stable. Because you're trusting him and you're, you're doing, you're, you're being strong and you're doing the work. It's very easy to, to say, you know what, I just want to give up. I just want to throw my hands up. Say, it's enough. Can I tell you, when you feel like you need to throw your hands up and quit, be strong and do the work. Don't stop. Stay focused on what it is that he's got you doing and don't let anything else get in the way. Even if it seems so menial, just stay in there. In Galatians 6.9, it tells us this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not. Don't become weary in doing the work. Don't get weary in and say, you know what, I, I, I just can't teach that class anymore. I, I, can't, I can't go back there with those kids anymore. I just I can't do it. Don't get weary in doing good. Don't get weary in trying to, to be the husband that you're supposed to be, even if your wife isn't responding the way that you want her to. Don't give up. Don't quit doing Good because you're, you're getting tired of it. It says the proper time you'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's a promise there that if we'll stay focused and do the work that he's called us to, to be strong in it, that we'll see the harvest that he has for whatever it is that we're facing. Don't quit. God says, be strong and do the work. I love the fact that he doesn't just say, be strong, do the work. He says, for I'm with you. 
He's the strength. And see, here's the difference between then and now. See, they had to build a temple for God to be at so that they could go and, and worship there. That God, that was the place they had to go sacrifice something and, and try to make things right with God. But here's the amazing part. God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the price for you and me so that whoever would believe, whoever would trust it, that was done for them, that would accept that and confess their sins, that they would be restored into a relationship with God and they would have that relationship. See, he did that for us. He said, whoever then would do that, that not only would Christ be with him, Christ would be in him. He resides in us. See, they had to build a temple. They had to go to the mountain, cut the timber, and build the temple. Guess what you and I got to do? We get to accept the Savior, know that this is the temple, and we get to spend forever with him. This is your temple. This is where he resides in you now. You no longer have to go somewhere else. You don't need me to pray for you in between you and him. No, no, no. He's made that right so that you and I can have a direct relationship with him. And so the encouragement now is that he is with you. He is with you wherever you go as a believer in Christ. If you've accepted that sacrifice and Jesus as your Savior, he is with you. And now you don't have to, you don't have to worry about all the, is he going to be there? Is he not? No, if you've accepted him, he's there. Be strong and do the work, for he is with you. So here, let me tell you, the strength now comes not from us, but it comes from him. If you're here, you've never made that decision to accept him. Let me just tell you that your strength comes from you. And you can only do what you can do. You can only get as far as you can get. Your discouragement is going to come because your strength is going to run out. As a believer, when our discouragement comes, and like I, I had to grasp hold of and just know and remind myself of that, I listen, I, it doesn't matter what Ron's got left in the tank. It's not about what I've got left. It's about what he's got left. And he's got an eternal abundance of, of strength for you and for me to get through whatever it is. To quit, that we don't have to look at anybody else. We don't have to worry about what they have or don't have. We don't have to worry about how shiny it is or how dull it may seem. That today we can know that we can be strong in him and we can do the things that he's called us to do and follow through with this life that he's given us. So today, if you're facing discouragement, let me just tell you that you're, you don't have to do that alone, and you don't have to stay where you are in the midst of that and just believe that things are just never going to get better. You can know today that you can trust him right where you are in the middle of the most difficult things that you face, and he's with you, and he's going to walk with you through that. Today, if you're discouraged, let me just tell you very simply, be strong. Be strong in him. 
Lean on him, trust on him, and let him be what gets you through. But be strong and do the work. Do the things that he's asked you and I to do. And you'll find that you'll quit looking at everybody else's stuff. You'll find that you'll quit worrying so much about whether people like you or they don't like you. Can I, can I just be honest with you? You're always going to have people that don't like you. I mean, I, mean, I, man, I don't mean that ugly. I mean, you just can't make everybody happy. And the longer we try, the more we're just going to wear ourselves down and know. So always point whoever it is, whether they like you or not, point them to him and let him be the one who does the changing and, he's the one, and let him be the one that brings them around to be the ones that love you and, and like you and, and bring your, yourselves together. But do the work and just be strong in him. Very simple. So today, let your discouragement be encouraged today by the fact that God is with you, and that he loves you, and that he wants to walk with you through it. God, we thank you today that you love us enough to not leave us in our discouragement. And God, even though it's so easy to look around and see everybody else's places and things and, and where, you know, what they have and, and maybe what we feel like we don't have, God, especially in this age of just picking up your phone and looking into, into so many others' lives, God, may we, may we be reminded that, that that's the life maybe you called them to live, but that's not the life that you called us to live. And that you created every one of us very uniquely and special to live the life that you've given us. And that you very much want to be the strength that we depend on. So much so that you would give us your son to not only just be a, a sacrifice for us, but to be a savior for us. That you would give us the Holy Spirit to be a guide for us. So God, today you want to lead us through this life and that you want to use us the way that you made us to be used. So may we focus not on everything around us, God, but may we focus on you. May we be consistent in trusting you to be our strength. May we consistently trust you to be our guide and may we, God, always look to you be everything that we need. May we never put that off on another person. May we never put that off on another thing, God, but may we put it on you. Because God, you're the only one that's worthy of it all. So God, today for my friends that may be struggling, God, may they be encouraged to know that you're with them. That you're the strength that they can depend on that you have a plan for them if they'll just continue to focus on you and trust you in it. So God, during this song, God, may we just focus in on who you are. God, maybe we have something in our lives that is a discouragement to us, God. We just, we just can't seem to get beyond it, God. May we come and just, maybe just put it at your feet. Just symbolically lay it down and 
get up and walk away and leave it there for you. God, you've done so many amazing things in our lives. God, we're just looking for you to do it again. To use us, to make us more like you. So God, may we freely give us to you. In Jesus' name, amen.